Good morning, everybody. Welcome back. This is the lesson for August 26, 2020 for Mr. Story's government class. Again, we just kind of wanted to work on this and make sure we understood where we stand in governments. And so far in government, we've been talking about why governments exist, the purpose of a government. Uh, how does it work in here? Basically, fundamentals of government that we all need to understand in order to kind of move on. Now we're going to start focusing in this American side of government. We're not going to be worried about the rest of the world as much. We're going to look at home and we're going to look at these ideas here. We need to start by understanding where did the ideas of the American government come from? Where did the political ideas and the thoughts come from in our country? These thoughts kind of we picked and chose, excuse me, picked and chose different parts throughout history and different documents and different people. We picked them so that we could use their ideas and see what worked. And in the colonies, we were broken up, obviously, into 13 different colonies, but we saw certain things that worked. And we used these three basic concepts of government to make sure that we could kind of make a government work here in the United States. And those three basic concepts that we use, one, we used an ordered government. So we used a government that regulates the affairs of the way it kind of is in charge of monitoring and maintaining and making sure everything works out. It also is going to maintain order. It's going to be predictable. It's set up in a way in which it repeats itself time and time again. That's the ordered concept of government. There's rules and regulations. It's not one day somebody jumps in and says, hey, we're going to do this and change everything. We're not going to change the ball game today. We're going to keep our ball game right where it needs to be. So that that's the first aspect of this, is that we're going to have this basic concept of government. We're not going to look at another version of government at all. We're going to have this is where we're at. The second thing is it's limited. Government can't do everything. Government is not responsible for your day-to-day -day life. We've lost sight of this a little bit here in the United States today, but our original ideas start with the fact that government is restricted in what it can do. It can't control everything. And uh, uh, the other part of that is that every individual has rights that the government can't ever take away from you. We talk about the life, liberty, pursuit of happiness, all that stuff. That can never be taken away from you by a government. That's not the government's place to take that from you. The third basic concept of government that we kind of have to work through and deal with a little bit is that the government should be serving the people. It's a representative government. So our three basic concepts of government that we stole or that we put into practice in the colonies was that it was ordered, it was limited, and it was, rep it was a representative government where the people at the end of the day have the final say. People should have a voice in what the government cannot do. People should have the ways in which this works because, man... If the, gov if the people didn't have a say in the government, what is the point of the government? Instead, it's just one group of people who is doing, you know, pretty much whatever they want. It's going to take us to our influential documents and ideas that led us to this idea that we need to have an ordered, limited, and representative government. And actually, we're going to go all the way back to the year 1915 with our first one. And there's this document called the Magna Carta. And what the Magna Carta does is it actually takes away some of the powers that the King of England had. The King was King John at the time. He really wanted to 
beef up the taxes so that he could have these military campaigns throughout the world. He wanted to take over everything. And so the people, the barons, the, the basically the people right underneath the king, they're going to step up and say, listen, you want all these powers. That's fine. But what we want is something back. We want fundamental rights. We want trial by jury. We want due process of the law, which means basically you can't just do something because you're the king. We want these protections given to us. And in exchange for those, we will talk about potentially raising taxes so you can take over all these other things. But really, it's not just your say anymore. All right, that worked all really well for you know a while, but then people kind of over starting to step their bounds again because that's what humans do. You give them an inch, they're going to take a mile. And that's going to lead to our second part, which is called the Petition of Right. This is our second document that kind of really helps explain everything. So 400 years later in 1628, and these dates you don't need to memorize or anything like that, uh, Charles the first again, he asked for more money. And they said, listen, we're not going to give you more money until you do this. Until you vote on this and give us, you know, these ideas. So the petition of right again limits the king's power. Um, the big thing is that he can't just put people in jail without uh, without them being proven guilty by uh, trial of law. They also they can't impose military rule uh, when it's peaceful out. Uh, homeowner the homeowners can't take on their kings. These are all things you're going to hear again because we actually steal these ideas into our government. And we put these in place so that they can kind of do that. Uh, the big thing is that basically the king is not above society. Uh, at the time, the king was believed to be appointed by God. And this is going to be something that really kind of starts to change that. Uh, in England, if you're taking world history, shortly after the petition of right is signed, there is a revolution in England. And within that revolution of England... Uh, William and Mary of Orange, which is a, which is an area of the Netherlands, they come over and they start this glorious revolution, which is a peaceful, no fight, but they sign a document called the English Bill of Rights. Uh, the English Bill of Rights is similar to ours. It gives us a lot of things. It requires free elections. Um, it gives guarantee, It gives individual rights. It gives all these things that we build on, and we look at this as a colony power, and we go. Hey, if in 1689, which is not that far away from when we start our war for independence, if they can do that there, we should be guaranteed those three right, those rights here. Now, that's me jumping ahead just a little bit to obviously what's going to happen. Let's look back at the colonies. Yeah, we're going to look back at the colonies in the year 1775. And there are three types of colonies that are out there. There's a royal colony, a proprietary colony, and a charter colony. The royal colonies, and these are going to be the colonies. There's actually eight of our 13 colonies are royal colonies. And these are honestly going to be some of the ones that are probably most upset when certain things start coming down, coming down the road from them. So the first thing is these eight were New Hampshire, Massachusetts, New York, New Jersey, Virginia, North Carolina, South Carolina, and Georgia. The idea of a royal colony is that you are still under direct control of the crown of England. And that if the king or queen or whoever is in charge in England at the time wants to come in and do whatever they want to your colony, they are more than welcome to because it is theirs. 
the reason why these country or these places these were set up by the king. So the king believes it is his land. So we have to follow all of his all of his rules. That's going to be something we will return back to, because these eight of our fifteen or of our excuse me these eight of our thirteen colonies these colonies are designed so that they don't really have any uh, place for uh, the regular people. Yeah, you can set up your government there. The king's probably just going to sit there and laugh at you when you try to tell him no. Again, these are stepping stones. So our next type of colony is a proprietary colony. And there were only three of these ones, so that's going to take us to 11 of our 13 colonies are either a royal or a proprietary colony. And these are Maryland, Pennsylvania, and Delaware. And these colonies are organized by what person called the proprietor, who is a person that the king has made, basically given the land. So, for example, in Maryland, George Calvert, Lord Baltimore, he wanted a place for Catholics to go. So the king gave him Maryland. In Pennsylvania, William Penn wanted a place for the, uh, for the Protestants to go. So he gave them a place in Pennsylvania. Again, these systems, they are in charge of a little bit more of their own ideas and their says. Because um, it's William Penn is essentially in charge and he has the final say, but he is also allowed to go to the king to kind of help with the say. So it's just one person that's really running kind of the whole deal and the rest of them kind of fall into line. The last type of colony is a charter colony. These were a bit rare. These are the smaller ones. This is Connecticut and Rhode Island. And the purpose of a charter colony, of a charter colony, excuse me, is that basically they came over with one group and then they wanted a place for their own religion and their own 100%. They are actually the only examples, and again, I'll say it again, this is Connecticut and Rhode Island. They're the only examples of a group that's actually running their own nation. They're running their own state without really answering questions to anybody. They're not concerned what the rest of the world is truly thinking. They are worried about what is best for Connecticut, what is best for Rhode Island. And they were so worried about it that they came over once having broken away from England. And then they broke away from who they broke away from. Both these places came in from Massachusetts and they broke away both this is going to lead us up into the revolution. These key points to understand we are being controlled by somebody who is not within 10,000 miles of our country. We're being controlled by them. On that note, I will talk to you guys all on Friday for our next episode of the podcast. Please make sure to rate, review, subscribe, all that good stuff so that you have a better understanding of what's going on in this class. This podcast is designed to help. Please let me know how I can help you guys more with what you're doing with this podcast. On that note, have a great rest of your day. I will talk to you later. Bye.